Welcome to episode 29 of Between the Times, a podcast of Christ Church Presbyterian. My name is Ross Hodges, and I am here with my brothers, uh, Reverend Dr. John Payne and Dr. Gabriel Williams, and we are coming to you from downtown Charleston at the corners of uh, King and Broad Street at uh, 104 Broad, the new offices of Christ Church Presbyterian. Brothers, how does it feel to be in a new uh, recording space? That was wonderful. I mean, it's great. It's good. It's really good stuff. We are surrounded by the uh, the busyness of downtown Charleston uh, out our window in one direction. We can see King Street, and the other we can see Broad and the beautiful historic churches. And so today we wanted to uh, talk about the significance of being uh, uh, a church that desires to reach the city. Uh, and we know there's a lot of talk in our day uh, for those uh, in the church who, who want to have an impact for uh, God's kingdom to be instruments in his hands and there's a lot of talk about the city and we uh, wanted to spend some time doing that today and mm-hmm. uh, so John um, as we as we get started here um, remind us of the history of Christ Church and how uh, it was how it came to be that uh, we are in the the Charleston area at all and and why yeah uh, when I was first approached about uh, really challenged about starting uh, Christchurch Presbyterian, um, I guess it would be about four years ago now that right. I was first challenged with this idea uh, uh, by our, our good friend Rick Phillips at Second Presbyterian Church, also a downtown church in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, uh, the idea was posed that we would uh, plant a, a Christ-exalting, spirit-filled, uh, biblical, confessional Presbyterian church uh, in, in Charleston, South Carolina. We uh, we all recognized how this area is growing by leaps and bounds, and um, and we we all identified a need for more gospel ministry in the area, which I uh, continue to see. I, I actually met with a uh, a guy who is hoping to plant a church here um, in the future. Met with him last week, and I just really encouraged him: go do it. Uh, there are so many people here. Tens of thousands of unchurched people who need the Lord. Uh, why would we not want more uh, church plants and these kinds of things? So, uh, uh, anyway, when challenged to do this, uh, and I began talking to a lot of pastors in uh, the PCA, uh, in our circles, uh, men who are very serious about uh, the ordinary means of grace, about uh, uh, holding fast to our, to our confession, our Reformed confession, who are serious about mission, uh, reaching the lost. Um, many of these men are pastors of, of churches in downtown areas. Mm-hmm. And so they had a real heart for that and they wanted to see us, uh, if we, they were to support us, to see us make an impact down here. And so uh, from the very beginning, uh, we have made it abundantly clear uh, to those who have attended the church, those who have joined the church, and also to the presbytery uh, that our, our hope is to either establish ourselves uh, downtown in the heart of the city or just over the bridge in the older part of Mount Pleasant. We see these as, as strategic areas and uh, we want to make an impact uh, in the culture. But of course, making an impact in the culture and on the culture, uh, that, kind of an, uh, that, that kind of language could be seen in a couple of different ways. Of One that we would disagree with and then one of course that we'd be more comfortable with. Um, we've all you know, done some reading and heard rhetoric on uh, this new uh, kind of approach to church planting, reaching the urban areas and making an impact in city centers and these kinds of things. Uh, Gabe, just in your experience, um, uh, where have you seen perhaps uh, where we've gone 
as a church gone off the rails a little bit um, in some of our reform circles in, in, in having this language and trying to reach cities? I would say the, there are a couple of ways I see this. So the first way is the kind of broad assumption that city people are just a different type of person that <laughs> cannot really hear the gospel in a way that ordinary people would. So what that That's means? That's a great point. Expand on that. I mean, what, what, what are, how would say a slick church planter that's trying to come in and, and be culturally relevant? And we hear all this language. Like, I think that's a very important point you just made. Expand yeah. on that. So I'll take the uh, the prototypical example. So you you see it. You may have a church plant in which the demographic around you may be the millennial generation, so 20 to 35-ish, something in that range. You know this generation probably has heard a lot of things about Christianity. They, they come in with a lot of misconceptions, and the belief is that we don't actually reach them by, say, a straightforward uh, law, gospel, uh, just kind of presentation. The belief is that they need a more culturally contextualized sort of message. Yes. And that and that's that's a great point because what we have so many of us have been concerned about is this so called being over contextualized. Like we want to consider what it means to be contextualized in many ways. We don't want to be fools. However, to be over contextualized is to make contextualization the main thing and to marginalize true Christian discipleship. And the reality is that there's a contextualization that is normal. That would be for instance you communicate your message differently depending upon the audience you're around. So sure. that's seen by Paul, the difference between how he spoke to Jews who had a background with the scriptures and right. how he spoke to some of the Gentiles. That's a normal contextualization. Or to the philosophers yeah. in Athens. But that's completely different than saying the actual message of the cross has to kind of be uh, tailored. Uh, tailored, kind yeah. of warped a little bit, kind of made less offensive. Exactly. For a more modern mind, that's a complete different issue. Now you're dealing with: Are you actually uh, maturely preaching the gospel, or are you altering the gospel so that it's less offensive? Are you exactly. removing the offense of the cross, and that becomes a a deeper, more important problem? Exactly. I mean, I think that's a that's a temptation that uh, is just natural for those who preach and teach the gospel to face: is that you want to reach your audience, and there's there's a, a natural human tendency not to want to offend people and and yet uh, there has to be always on the forefront of our minds that the gospel is offensive and so as we're thinking about the proper way of contextualization we have to guard against exactly what you're saying where contextualization creeps into accommodation mm -hmm. which creeps into not uh, preaching and teaching the gospel um, clearly and offensively as it is. And unbelievers will have demands on us. <laughs> unbelievers yeah. will have demands. They, they will want certain things mm -hmm. to go a certain way, even if they don't go to your church. Mm -hmm. right? A lot of them that, that would come, perhaps, they will have demands. They will have demands to be entertained. Mm -hmm. They will have demands to have uh, high-energy you know, music. A lot of times churches are catering to this desire yeah. to have high-energy music, not which, uh, that which is focused on the glory of God, but on how it makes us feel, for instance. Mm -hmm. But think about uh, 1 Corinthians 1. Okay, yeah. The Jews were demanding what? Science. Science. Yeah. And the Greeks were demanding wisdom. 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 But Paul said, we preach Christ, Christ crucified. crucified. Yeah. We, we preach the Folly. foolishness yeah. of, mm -hmm. of the cross. And so that, 
that that really I think is is an important point for us as a church plant and and for those who would seek to be uh, involved in church planting at, at whatever level whether being a church planter or being involved in a church plant you want to be careful that you don't uh, tailor your message to your people in such a way as to remove the offense of the cross and the straightforward teaching of scripture. You know, so many people are excited about uh, the work of Christ Church because they're just getting plain Bible preaching and teaching. Exactly. Working through books of the Bible, Lectio Continua, exegetical, you know, uh, uh, preaching and, and, and application. This is what people, young people want. They want this kind of discipleship. I think there's also a sense in which Again, this is a mischaracterization of a lot of people, uh, but the idea seems to be that we want to, in some sense, I don't want to say make the gospel hipster-like, but the, <laughs> the reality is that when, when a person is uh, drawn to the message of the cross, they're not drawn to it based upon kind of superficial reasons. The idea that is kind of being kind of floating around is that we want to kind of remove the majestic glory of the gospel and kind of give a different tone altogether is different. The reality is that uh, usually when you talk about young people, say 20 to 35, being planted into the church, what they are actually coming to hear, they want an experience different than their kind of hipster background. They do not want a Christianity that looks like going down to the coffee shop to hear a dude speak about you know, poetry and at a Starbucks. That's not what they want. Mm -hmm. When we talk about the actual matters of the soul, when a any person hears that, they're not looking for triviality. They're looking for give me some real substance, give me something to chew on. Yeah. And the reality is that that is what Christianity presents. It doesn't present you with a trivial message about things you can approve. It presents some very unsettling realities about yourself and about who God is. And and we believe that God is sovereign in salvation, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. We believe that. It's part of our confession. Yeah. We believe that God's a sovereign God and that He's saving His elect right. through what? Through the means of grace. Through the means of grace. Mm -hmm. Through the word, sacraments, and prayer. God mm -hmm. is using those seemingly foolish, unadorned means mm -hmm. to save His people from their sins by communicating Christ to them through mm -hmm. these means. It's a glorious thing, right? Um, so this is part of our our philosophy of ministry, isn't it? And this this informs our philosophy of ministry to be very bold with these things and to trust that those in whom God is working will desire those very things. Exactly. So we know everybody's not going to desire them. Mm -hmm. Right. We know the whole city is not going to be transformed. You know, sometimes people use this this kind of uh, hyper uh, over-realized eschatological language, right? Mm -hmm. They say, we're going to transform the city. Who's ever transformed a city? A whole city. <laughs> that, the, the only time a city is going to be transformed is when the New Jerusalem comes down mm -hmm. and, and, and it's a city That's full right. of people that are converted. That's right. And it's a, and, and, you know, but as far as you know, transforming a whole city, we're not going to use that kind of overreaching language. Yes. But we're going to say that we want to be salt and light and that we want to make an impact down here, and it's not through catering to what the city thinks is important. Exactly. It's by confronting yeah. that with the precious gospel of Jesus Christ and challenging people to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and to be mm -hmm. saved from what their sins deserve, which is everlasting damnation. And we make no uh, bones about that because the scriptures clearly teach that. Mm -hmm. We want to be people of the book. 
Yeah, Jesus speaks in the Gospels of his sheep knowing his voice. Mm-hmm. And there's an implication there that those who aren't his sheep don't know his voice. And so this is just to emphasize what you said, John, that the sheep hear his voice through the means of grace, through the preaching of Jesus' word and through the administration of Jesus' sacraments. And they hear it and they will respond. But like you're saying, others will not. Mm-hmm. And and that has to be on the, the forefront of the mind of those in ministry that um, success is is not numbers. And success is not that you have um, an impact in the city so that you have everyone flocking to your door, all, all the cool people and, and all the hipsters and, and uh, all the influential people. But success is being faithful with God's word and, mm-hmm. and worship. And, and allowing the Holy Spirit to do his work through those things to draw Jesus' people to himself. Amen. When, when Paul was in Corinth, mm-hmm. okay, Corinth, was this, was this a, uh, a wonderful city filled with <laughs> godly people? No, it, it was a place of, of horrible idolatry. Even the church itself dealt mm-hmm. with all kinds of problems. Paul, of course, uh, has his vision in Acts 18 where the Lord Jesus Christ says to Paul, Do not be afraid. But go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. Mm. Wonderful allusion to the Great Commission. Yeah. Yes. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many people in this city who are my people. This is at the outset of Paul's ministry in Corinth. Mm-hmm. So who are his people? They are people, they are the elect, mm-hmm. who have not yet been converted, Amen. who are walking around unconverted, and they need to hear the gospel. Mm-hmm. And so what a wonderful outlook. And then what does Paul do? It says in verse 11, and he stayed a year and six month, months teaching the word of God among them. Mm-hmm. Didn't say he was opening soup kitchens. Doesn't say that he was making a, having a focus on uh, deed ministry mm-hmm. over word ministry. I'm not sa- saying anything against deed ministry mm-hmm. or reaching out to the poor and these kinds. You know, these, these are important works. Absolutely. However, the word of God, the preaching of the word, the discipleship with the word, the teaching of the word was never marginalized. In fact, quite the opposite. It was right out front. And so we want to have an impact in the city, but it's not by putting band-aids on all of the problems that will be problems till the end of time. We want to impact the city by preaching boldly the word of God. Uh, day in and day out, week after week, and that's the role of the church, anyway, isn't it? Is to, is to is to preach Always. the word of God faithfully, mm-hmm. and so uh, the question I want to ask now is: Okay, do we have people coming to the church that are making an impact in the culture? You know, are we through this method and through this philosophy actually impacting and shaping the culture? Well, Ross, right in front of us, we have uh, our dear brother Gabe, who is a professor at the College of Charleston, and he has. How many students do you have, Gabe, every year? Uh, at least 150. 150 students. You're, you're teaching science. You're getting in conversations with yep. these students. You're being mm-hmm. salt and light. So when you come to Christ Church, you don't want us to come trying to teach you a few things about <laughs> physics. <laughs> we we right? hope not. Yeah. You, you have a PhD in physics. You don't want us doing that. You, know, you want us to carry out our role in your yeah. life and in your wife. In your, in your children's lives Amen. so that you, you will be strong disciples in mm-hmm. your sphere of influence, yeah. right? The reality is that, uh, again, a lot of this is, can be boiled down to be something very simple, that we expect pastors to do their job and respect, uh, we expect, for instance, lay people to do their job. And what that usually means is that at some point, if you're a normal, everyday Christian doing what 
uh, the word of God commands you to do, committing yourself to the local church, committing yourself to family and private worship, and just walking your life publicly before people, uh, the various sort of things will come up. The first thing that will come up is why do you, for instance, pray after your meals? Why do you take time away from your meals to go read? Or kind of the way Peter would say it, what's the reason for the hope that lies within you? Yes. Now, the problem this is my observation, not true everywhere, but there are too many people who are not adequate enough to answer that question. And that is not primarily because they haven't been in churches necessarily. It's perhaps they haven't heard the word across preached clearly and they've kind of substituted for other things. And so when that question is posed to you, you get a lot of times very fluffy, non-substantive answers. Yes. And reality is that what you want from any member of a church is that you want them to be able to answer that question confidently and intelligently. Mm. That if a secular person walks up to you and asks you why you're a Christian, you can actually just say confidently, this is why. I believe in the actual resurrection. It's a historical event. I believe that Christ came and died for my sins, rose on the third day. You can discuss all these things, and that's what comes from being under solid biblical preaching for an extended period of time. Which gets back to the purpose of, of discipleship. Yeah. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 1 said that his goal was to make mature disciples. Amen. And that should be the goal of every church yeah. because it's the goal of, of the apostolic ministry. Right. Right? Where are we taking our cues from? Yeah. And you, know, you hear it all the time. We need all kinds of churches. We need a church to do this. We need a church to do this. We need a church to do this. No, we don't. We need churches that are making mature disciples. They may not look all exactly the same, right. but their goal should be through the preaching of the word, through the faithful administration of the sacraments, through prayer, through the shepherding care of the elders, mature disciples are being made. And, and, and from that place, from that epicenter church, making mature disciples, the church scattered goes into all of their spheres of life. Uh, Gabe being a professor at College of Charleston, uh, we've got a, uh, a professor at the Citadel, uh, mm -hmm. also the leader of the Leadership Institute at the Citadel is a member of the church. Mm -hmm. uh, we, we've got um, uh, military, we've got artists, we've got professional athletes, we've got teachers, we, I mean you can go on, inventors, you can mm -hmm. go on and on and mm -hmm. what they need from us is not for us to try to be hip and uh, culturally relevant for them. Mm -hmm. What they need from us is faithful Bible preaching. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Truly, I would say that, kind of going back to the First Corinthians point here, um, beyond just the fact that the churches there had their own problems, you also had the reality that Corinth was a cosmopolitan city. It's a city in which what you would expect would be similar to what we have here. Lots of people coming in from all over the region. Yes. We have lots of people who are very well educated. We have people in the lower end society. All of these sort of people are coming to Corinth. And the reality is that Paul's message never changed. The same foolishness of the cross that was preached to, say, the Bereans was the same message that was preached here to the Corinthians. And the reality is that 1 Corinthians is a challenge to the church. It is, is very strong correction given to multiple people in the church. And the reality is that... Paul didn't hide that message He's at all. He's not tiptoeing around. <laughs> and the, the fruit of it is great because you get 2 Corinthians. <laughs> yeah. The fruit is that you have many members who have repented and grew. And that's what you want. You yes. don't want a situation in which you have all these people coming in, not being confronted by the word of God. So it's, so it's important for us to be in the city. 
Yeah. We, we right. all agree yeah. with that. Yeah. So, so Paul, uh, was this his modus operandi? Did, was he going into big cities? Well, yes, he yes. was. Well, absolutely, everywhere he went. Corinth, yep. Ephesus, Athens. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's going to Jerusalem, all these places. Yeah, yeah. and it's, what's interesting is you see uh, with, with Paul, and you take, for example, Colossians and Philemon. Mm -hmm. You have Paul, um, and best we understand, uh, scholars understand what happens with the church in Colossae, um, is that they that that Epaphras and perhaps Philemon had traveled to Ephesus and had heard the gospel uh, oh, yeah. in Ephesus, a, a major city, and then had taken it back to Colossae, which is a you know a less uh, well um, more of a backwater, so to speak. And so you you have Paul focusing on a, a a major city center, preaching the gospel faithfully, and then look at the ripple effects, mm -hmm. and and we we see that pattern, and and so. Um, and as, as we have spoken before, maybe John, you could take a moment and explain, that is uh, sort of coming back to the beginning of our conversation um, with a, a focus on Charleston uh, and, and the Charleston area, and, and, but, but even downtown as well, um, that's the sort of thing that we're, uh, we're looking for the Lord to do. Amen. And, you know, part of our uh, reasoning for wanting office space right here in the heart of Charleston, here we are on the, the corner of, of King and Broad, uh, we want to we want to be accessible to the city. That's right. We want to rub shoulders with the people of this great city. We we want to have an impact, and we don't want to back off on the gospel at all. Mm -hmm. We're not gonna we're not gonna back off one inch off of reformed confessional Presbyterianism, which we believe is the most faithful expression of of historic biblical Christianity. Mm -hmm. We're not moving off that an inch, and we're going to love people. And, uh, and we're going to lovingly and warmly confront people in their sin and share with them the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so our, our hope is that, you know, we don't know where in the end we're going to be established long term. We just don't know that. Uh, sure. uh, where is our building going to be in the future? We don't know. It could be down here. It could be over the, right over the bridge in the old part of Mount Pleasant. We're trusting the Lord with that. Uh, but for the meantime, having this space here uh, in downtown is going to help us, I think, to, to clearly communicate to the city that we love this city. We, we, we want to reach this city with the good news of Jesus Christ. And, and this city isn't going to be saved by, uh, by more fashion designers and, uh, and more restaurants opening you know, and more tourists coming. The city is going to be saved through faith in the, the, the crucified and resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, and, and we believe that with all of our hearts. Amen. So we're, we hope that you've enjoyed this uh, episode of Between the Times, and uh, we appreciate you, you praying for us and um, uh, keeping us uh, in your prayers as you, um, as you think about the mission that we are on. And we encourage all church planters and those who be involved in church plants around the country uh, to to clearly communicate uh, to uh, the flock that it is the Lord Jesus Christ that must be exalted and that his means of grace must be set forth. And let, us, let our philosophy of ministry not being uh, shaped by the culture, mm -hmm. but that we uh, would seek to be shaped and conformed, uh, shaped by and conformed to the scriptures, mm -hmm. and thus from that place uh, having an impact for the kingdom of God.